0: wow three chapters first time with Let's this book do it or just in a fucking action sequence really jump right into it too yeah in a physical literally sense. jump through the
1: door <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: gender forking a twilight saga podcast this is a podcast where we are discussing midnight sun chapters 26 27 and 28 it's gonna be a long one folks yeah we're almost there my name is sam i'm Lori. welcome to the podcast welcome in um if you've made it this far god good for you (laughs) like especially if you've read this far in the book like if you read the whole book like wow how was that
1: yeah, like, are you okay? How you doing? Yeah. Do we, do we like Edward?
0: <laughs> I can't imagine, like, if we had read this, like, in one sitting. Like, if we, like, did no impulse control and just did it. Do you think? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't think I could have, actually. I feel
1: like it might have been better for me, just in the sense that, like, when I have three or two or three chapters to work on, mm-hmm. you have to really, like, dedicate your time to them. Yeah, and pay attention to the little mm-hmm. the little things, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like if I had read the whole book in one in one go, mm-hmm. I probably would have let go of some of the smaller things that, after some reflection, bothered me incredibly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. But in a sense, that's what makes gender forking so special, right? <laughs> we we fixate, we hyper fixate yeah. on the details. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care how much attention it takes yeah (laughs) it's important and how hard it is for us personally (laughs) (laughs) i used to read everything twice like Mm i i was like more eager to read when we were starting out so like i would read we would do the episode and then i would read the next part like pretty immediately and then i would read it again when we were getting ready to record again but then somewhere around the meadow scene that just got to be way too much for me and i gave up on that so now i just read once
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i was doing that for a while too in the very beginning i would read i was just so excited Yeah, because it was the first time since we read Life and Death two years ago that Mm. we were reading something like new. Yeah, and it was so exciting. And now it's like, (laughs) what?
2: Why do do we
1: need
0: grief counseling? (laughs) Maybe (laughs) support group, Midnight Sun support group. We should rename our Patreon group from the Forks Feminist Book Club to Midnight Midnight Sun Sun support support group.
1: group. (laughs) Yeah, group counseling for those of you who have read Midnight Sun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this is a safe space. Here we are. We are deep deep inside the action of this book. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed this section. Yeah, this is actually action. fun. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. fun. We get a lot
1: of detail that is has been like lingering questions of like what mm-hmm. the the sheer amount of work and and like detail oriented planning that goes into the behind the scenes cleanup of Bella's near death experience. Ugh, yeah.
0: Really, really interesting. So amazing and gratifying to read. Yeah. These first two chapters are really short, which is why we've done three today. Notoriously, we always think we're we're not going to have a lot to say about action, so let's see
1: (laughs) what (laughs) happens. Yeah, we'll see about that.
0: (laughs) Right off the bat. Yeah, exactly (laughs) what I was going (laughs) to say.
1: I just want to say, it's very interesting to me that in... Okay, we don't know what's happening... Because Bella's so out of it in Twilight, the book, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, we don't Mm -hmm. really get the details of, like... We kind of get some, like, shadowy details of, like, what's happening. But because of that, I feel like a lot of how I think about this fight sequence has been really colored and shaped by the movie portrayal. Mm -hmm. Which shows a not insignificant encounter between James and Edward that is explained (laughs) by Edward arriving there first... Whereas yeah. in this section, Edward has a quarter of a second of, it, of like, an encounter with James. No words exchanged throughout that entire process, from what we know. And then he's immediately, like, turning it over to Emmett and Jasper, which he says he's really jealous about. He wants to, like, be the one that kills him because he's, you know, murderous and angry. But yeah. it's such a shift because it's, like of course in a movie and of course in like some dramatic sense it is more satisfying to have edward be the one to kill james and it's intense and meaningful to linger on it in a cinematic sense but i kind of love that he has almost nothing to do with it in this chapter
0: yeah i think it would be a lot if he did yeah and i don't know if that was just like how it was written in twilight and so like that's what we get now it makes more sense for Emmett and Jasper to be the ones to do it because like why the hell else would they be there
1: yeah (laughs) also like I know Edward like hates James and all that but it would be so rude Mm -hmm. of him to rip away the opportunity from
0: Emmett who has been looking forward to this for days on end yeah yeah and I guess even the way it goes down Emmett's not satisfied so yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) we could talk about that but
0: It's really interesting that he goes from absolutely literally driving the action in this car sequence we were just in to... Sobbing on the floor. Not being... Yeah, (laughs) sobbing on the floor in a pool of Bella's blood. (laughs) Right away, what stood out to me was confirmation of something I was talking about last time, where it's really apparent in that car scene how much Jasper is of use to edward Mm -hmm. and like how like jasper using his power is like maybe the only thing allowing edward to function to Mm -hmm. function at all and i think that's correct because now that jasper is no longer trying to calm edward down he is literally useless Yeah, he cannot do anything in this moment yeah (laughs) he's screaming and he's not even aware that the screams are coming from him
1: right which i think is exactly how (laughs) bella explains how she feels in this moment too Because in her sections, I mean, hers are motivated by physical pain, whereas Edward's are from emotional pain. But they're both (laughs) screaming, and neither of them are, like, connected to the
0: screams (laughs) that are leaving them, which is so interesting. Once more, Edward is conflating his emotional pain with Bella's physical pain. Yes. I think it's interesting that he's not really registering the different kinds of pain. I was wondering how he would react to being exposed to her blood like this, Mm -hmm. and it's actually seems like he's not very affected by it
1: yeah which even tracks to later in the chapter i thought it was going
0: to be more of like a tense moment but it's not i mean i guess we're used to edward not being able to differentiate the different types of feelings or pains that he is experiencing like not being able to separate bloodlust from sexual lust
2: mm-hmm.
0: not being able to separate the desires of like the quote-unquote monster with like his own like anger or frustration this is kind of like a low point for him yeah he's come this is this is his worst nightmare this mm-hmm. is our our hero's worst nightmare is coming uh to fruition i guess it's good that he's not like in this moment like oh fuck like i'm gonna i mean obviously he has to suck her blood but before that he's like not really concerned with whether or not he's gonna be able to control himself
1: yeah it's a great sign it's also really fascinating because i think it's almost starting to be explained away in the next little section but until alice kind of like imposes it on him he's also not worried about what his siblings are gonna react like in stark contrast to how he has acted when bella has been around them before he's been really nervous about jasper and emmett being able to handle it and it's like I, I think the explanation that Stephanie gave and kind of an aside here was that their adrenaline or whatever the fuck, <laughs> whatever, whatever the fuck it is in vampires venom. that makes them be like that. Yeah, more venom, adrenaline flavored <laughs> venom is like helping them distract from the amount of blood around them and helping them. But it's like, to me, it seems like a really big hole that a plot hole that like Jasper could then turn around from this experience, having been exposed to such large quantities of bella's blood and then have the paper cut incident happen in new moon it doesn't really seem believable to me and i'm sure that when we get
0: there there'll be some sort of explanation maybe but but i'm like i mean what (laughs) how's this possible i mean the only explanation i can think of is that he was prepared for this yeah he knew that he was going to be exposed to human blood and with the paper cut it caught him off guard And that kind of seems to be the breaking point that Edward talks about all the time. He was like, I just need to be on my guard. Nothing can catch me unaware or I'm going to fuck up. Yeah. So maybe it's like that for some of the others as well, but I don't know. It's really wild. It even says, Edward briefly comments that Edward is closely watching Jasper to make sure that he's not going to switch and try to kill Bella yeah so and <laughs> um, it's while they're killing James <laughs> and Edward's like continuously surprised that Emma is capable of like maturity and like yeah. caring feelings and I'm like have you not paid attention to his feelings before like he has a wife <laughs> right again I think it's this like
1: hierarchy of siblings in Edward's mind that if you're not special in some defined way that manifests in a particular gift that he doesn't really think too highly of you or is constantly underestimating like your abilities or your personality or like whatever but emma
0: is like truly one of the the real mvps of this situation because there's so much more detail in midnight sun in general like things always feel longer than they do in twilight and that includes this moment where it feels like it takes them forever, or it takes them forever before they realize that Bella has been bitten. Yeah. It, it felt like a long time in this mm-hmm. particular explanation.
1: They go through her injuries in great detail. Yeah. And again, I think like this is a more gruesome and like realistic portrayal of what Bella's state is, because obviously it's like what, a PG movie, <laughs> PG-13 maybe.
0: I don't don't actually remember the rating, but... I think it's PG-13. Yeah. For sensuality. (laughs) (laughs) Where?
1: Um... (laughs) but but it's like okay we don't get to see how fucked up bella is in the movie because it's like she's got a little bit of fake blood and like the bite and and like her leg is you know just a little mangled but the descriptions that they used here like like every time edward looks at a part of her body he mentions it being covered in blood like blood-covered eyes like blood matted hair like yeah it's it's like really gruesome like bruises all over like already like right all fucked up i mean it makes more sense to me now as they go through her injuries like why edward is so traumatized by this moment because it's always seemed to me like in the movies it's like yes it's a huge huge deal she almost dies yeah and she walks out of it with like her leg in a walking cast and like that's essentially it you know like she yeah. looks when she's in the when she's in the hospital days later she looks completely fine you know mm-hmm. except for the mm-hmm. fact that she's in a hospital and yeah. she's like clearly like it, it. it's you know partially probably budget partially probably rating like they didn't want it to be super scary or serious right but yeah. it makes a lot more sense after reading edward perceiving her injuries why he is so traumatized by this event and like why it affects him so deeply because she she looks dead
0: (laughs) yeah she's covered in bruises like all over her face or she will be this is like literally his worst nightmare yeah yeah so she's been bitten on the hand on her palm i feel like we've talked about this before like we've we've drawn the connection between her being bit there and carlisle mm-hmm. was bit mm-hmm. there and that's something that they're thinking about in this moment which i thought was really thoughtful that like if they let her turn into a vampire it would be really it would be unnecessarily painful so there's like this moment here where edward is like okay well one of the options is that i change her into a vampire now or we change her into a vampire now and like just bite her in a place that would make it faster mm-hmm I found that really interesting. All the all the different things that get considered here. I was like, damn, okay.
1: Yeah, because okay, I think (laughs) in Twilight, as they discuss it later, the two options that we know about were the option turn turn into a vampire or the option suck out the venom. But Edward briefly considers ending it all for her. (laughs) And and literally is like Ending her life. He has this vision of Rosalie. And yeah, and like Rosalie pops into his mind and he's like, before he even knows that sucking the venom out of her is an option. He's like, I might kill her. Like I might just, you know, I might just not have her turn into a vampire. I might just let her die and go to whatever afterlife awaits human mortals and avoid her being damned and avoid her resenting me for the rest of our lives and stuff like that. And I was like, that is completely like news Like, there has never
0: been talk before of Bella dying, dying. I actually really enjoyed some of the introspection in this section. This is, like, such a difficult part of the story because for, like, this whole section and for, like, the last section, Bella's, like, not even a character. She's just, like, passively Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. She's lost all agency. And now other people are making these decisions for her. Mm-hmm. To his credit, Edward does ask himself some important questions. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he asks himself, would it, would it be better to turn her into a vampire now? And, and would she choose this way? The mm-hmm. answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> by the way (laughs) and he says did i even fully understand the cost was i aware of everything i had traded in exchange for my immortality had the tracker just met the same black wall of nothingness that i was destined for someday or would there be eternal flames for the both of us and i'm kind of like that's interesting that he's not even thinking about the part where like you live forever he's just Mm -hmm. thinking about what comes after forever yeah if it does come Mm -hmm. Which is very interesting. I feel like that's, like, not really a concern, to be honest. (laughs)
1: Yeah, like, he's lived his life in such a risk-free way up until the last three days that it seems so unnecessary for him to ponder what it would be like to die or, like, to cease existing. And it's, like, just chill out like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like I don't think I don't think and I I could be wrong but I don't think he's ever come into contact with a vampire before that has been destroyed
0: you know and you know what like I think the whole issue here is that he he's just like assuming that heaven exists he's assuming that and he is
1: also implicit like implicitly assuming that like he has absolutely no chance at, at that it's either eternal damnation or eternal nothingness you know he doesn't ever consider that he could yeah. possibly reach like eternal happiness
0: or even eternal neutrality yeah the neutral like the neutrality piece is interesting so like if we just assume that when vampires and humans die absolutely nothing happens in your soul your mind whatever goes mm-hmm. absolutely nowhere i feel like that would erase a lot of these existential problems for Ed- edward you know there's so many like conflicting messages of
1: like real like religion in these few chapters that really are interesting yeah. but in this moment specifically like his assumption that her only chance at reaching any eternal positivity <laughs> if you mm-hmm. will eternal is for positivity. her to die human and it's like is she okay like Also, is she dying human if she has vampire venom in her already, you know? Like, the change hasn't completely happened, but, like, oh, if she dies now and God, or whoever the fuck, sees her upstairs and is like, wait a second, were you a vampire? She's like, no. And then he'll be like, well, what's this venom in your hand then? Like, (laughs) then she's gonna go straight to the hellfire and flames, like... (laughs) what <laughs> what is his what is his like i i wish there was a character like that had an opportunity to directly ask edward what he thought of god you know like what he thought of like of that we get a little right into it but it's like what
0: do you think <laughs> like, yeah what is going on here it's very confusing and there's no there's it just becomes way more elusive in this section honestly so for some reason he's like mm, i could kill her i guess none of them have ever even considered the possibility of sucking out venom before and when edward realizes carlisle is thinking about this he's thinking of the image of a viper in a desert yeah carlisle is like you have to do this i can't do it because i have to you know brace her leg or whatever he's doing Mm -hmm. doctor things that he's doing edward's freaking out internally and he's like i want to scream but I'm a vampire. And I'm like, is this the But I'm a Cheerleader sequel?
1: Oh my god. The mashup we needed all along.
0: Yeah.
2: But I'm a vampire.
1: <laughs> oh my god. Uh... Yeah, the explanation is that Carlisle had to... If if Edward was going to take any of her blood out of her body through sucking the venom-infested blood out, that he would have to stop the bleeding elsewhere. And I'm like, mm-hmm. could you not like give instructions for Edward to do that? And then you, the more qualified vampire do the hard thing.
0: It's still it's still not enough for me, honestly.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he starts d- doing a big sip, like human juice box. The, I think <laughs> it's really interesting to me the words that he uses and, like, the metaphors that he uses to describe mm-hmm. what this experience is like to him, especially after the way he has described drinking blood in the past as, I'm thinking, like, the... Personal brand of heroin, ice cream metaphor, vegan, tofu, vegetarian, I mean, tofu, meat thing. Just the words and comparisons that he uses when he's, like, drinking her
0: blood is honestly so weird. Like, the
1: the words he uses are so weird.
0: Yeah, yeah. First of all, he says that the skin on the edges of the wound on her hand was already cooler than the rest of her hand that it's changing and hardening and I'm like, that's disturbing to me actually. <laughs> but it's metal interesting. As fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that she like uh-huh. has a vampire hand. Yeah. Because you when she touches she it. C-
1: can't get any paper cuts or anything. Yeah.
0: When she touches the scar in future books, um, it's a little bit cooler than the rest of her body. They should have let her arm like become vampire yeah, arm. Give her a vampire arm. <laughs> She can help them in battle. <laughs> I'm 124th vampire. <laughs> on, my,
1: on my mother's on side. On my mom's
2: side, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he describes it as a bomb. Mm-hmm. Says there's an explosion. He explains it as being like a decapitation. So his yes. brain being severed from the rest of his body. To describe like how difficult it is for him to think. Yeah. He uses the word bliss three times
0: times oh my god <laughs> three he does doesn't times. he oh shit
2: he uses the even word realize. bliss and rapture says, elation rapture
1: elation <laughs> these words are all so fascinating yeah it's like, not to get nasty but <laughs> <laughs> this is so sexual yeah, and like honestly like i would love to ask a vampire like what's better sex or this for you mm-hmm. like ideally probably both right at the same time but
0: like uh-huh <laughs> yeah <I think> that's <laughs> the whole point of like all vampire stories
1: yeah but it's like okay of course edward doesn't care that he's putting off having sex with bella for the rest of his life he's already experienced the best thing he's ever going to experience oh my god fuck <laughs> you know oh no like I think this he might think that this is it, you know? Yeah.
0: Like that this is it's his the, it's like, the best, best thing that he's ever experienced in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, blood is a spectrum and so is sex, so I'm sure that there's some blood that's better than <laughs> sex and some sex that's better than blood. Blood is a spectrum. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and i bet i would honestly like knowing edward i would say that he, if we had his narration of breaking down and, and hopefully we never get that i would bet that he would say that having sex with bella is better than drinking her blood
1: i'm sure he would say that yeah
0: he's a huge wife mm-hmm. guy he's a big wife wife man
1: <laughs> immense uh, immense wife man immense <laughs>
0: immense wife boy big husband yeah uh <laughs> <laughs> weird Weird. Yeah, I was like, this yeah. is not akin to heroin usage. I mean, I've never tried heroin, but I was like, damn, get me some of this drug, whatever this You're is. Right. And then I was like, maybe it's sex. And then I was like, mm, okay. Yeah. it's not a Sex is not a substance, though, so that's always like a weird comparison. I don't know. I'm thinking of the way that people talk about like sex and pornography as addictive. Yeah, for sure.
1: And in ways that like they misapply like drug Use and like it's not what addiction is, yeah, right? Addiction to that, and I'm like thinking that's also what's happening here, which I don't think is coincidental. I think it it is because, like, I think even subconsciously, because I don't know that Stephanie is consciously thinking this way, but I think she does associate bloodlust with lust, lust. I'm sure
0: Edward does too. So
1: yeah, yeah. I would say so. <laughs> yeah. It's also like as I mentioned in the very beginning of this chapter, he doesn't struggle to stop not too much yeah like there's no like stop edward you're killing her or like oh my god i'm killing her alice is like okay
0: it's time and he like immediately drops her arm and is done no he he she she does have to tell him like stop (laughs) she says stop edward now and then he narrates but alice could see that i was lost i could hear her wondering frantically if she could pull me off bella or if the fight would just injure bella more And then it's Bella speaking to him that makes him stop. It's like a little bit of a struggle, but it's not that much. Yeah,
1: it seems like less dramatic than like the movie portrayal of like, you're killing her. It's too much like that
0: kind of stuff. Yeah, I guess he he is killing her, but he does just sort of. Yeah, he says, I simply let her hand fall away from my lips. And it's just like a moment. Which is interesting. I was kind of expecting the monster discourse to come back, but it seems like we put that away a couple chapters ago. Totally. I felt like this was going to be a much bigger moment, and it's really not. And honestly, that's great, because I don't know if I could emotionally handle it being more dramatic than it already is. <laughs> yeah, especially, like, two chapters from now, like, he has a little
1: breakdown about it finally, like, he processes yeah. some things, and it's like, okay,
2: great yeah yeah
0: <laughs> yeah he just kind of pulls away and you know everything is like kind of all right for a second and he starts to see some of the future visions of what's going to be on that camera Carlyle has put her leg into a floorboard s- splint yep he has made they've made a splint out of the floorboards and they're all covered in blood Mhm. which is fun and that's it that's pretty much the whole chapter i love the next chapter it's so good and you know i love alice she didn't have to include this you know yeah she like could have gotten away with not doing it
1: she totally could have brushed this whole chapter aside and mm-hmm. been like like this was alice's thing and edward is so focused and on the moment or whatever but i'm so glad that she included this like absolutely such so good. a good chapter
0: yeah alice deserves this screen time yes i can absolutely not <laughs> get over it. i cannot believe five vampires in a car with a with a human covered in blood <laughs> amazing
2: i can't get over
0: that it's so good it's so
1: good like that would be the funniest cold open
0: to a tv show ever yeah yeah. yeah. Like, like it the last one ended really solemnly and, the, and then it just opens and they're all sitting there with bella bella is laying, laying in across, the back seat yeah it's carlisle edward and emmett Bella's laying across them with her head on Carlisle's lap and her legs her feet on Emmett's lap (laughs) and Alice and Jasper are in the front seat (laughs) someone draw this for me please oh it's
1: so good yeah it's like this would be the best cold open like them getting in the car and then silently driving
0: to the it's silent (laughs) it's silent because Jasper and Emmett are not breathing because they can't handle it yeah. Jasper's got the window cracked. <laughs> and then <laughs> Alice, Alice and Edward are having a silent conversation. Yeah. Or at least Alice is thinking through everything and- Edward's you know, listening. Ed- Edward's listening and then, you know, she can adjust her visions based off of, like, how he's interacting with her thoughts. And Carlisle's just, like, holding her- This is where he's touching her artery.
2: hmm
0: I think he's just holding her pulse. I think that's what mm-hmm. he's doing here. He's also somewhat-
1: influencing the decisions that Alice makes because in Alice's perfect vision they would swap to a non-stolen car uh mm-hmm. <laughs> like do all this other stuff but Carlisle is like she needs blood so we do need to get her to the hospital he's selected a hospital that's a little bit farther away because he yes. knows one of the doctors there or the surgeon there and so yeah a trauma surgeon he needs to be at that hospital so that he can be like nosy and imposing and be in control of the situation. So he's kind of shaping it too. <laughs> but then Emmett and Jasper are just <laughs>
0: silently sitting there, which is they're just there. So funny. <laughs> Emmett's mad a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. Emmett is mad because he's replaying the fight with James. In his mind, and he's so bothered because what made James give up was Jasper like approaching him while Emmett was like holding him, I guess, and mm-hmm. so he like gave up the fight when he saw Jasper running at him, <laughs> and Emmett's all hurt because it wasn't it wasn't because of him, and he didn't scare him like that, so he's like all upset and he just like wanted to be the big hero and right. Like,
0: <laughs> Half the big dramatic moment. Which I think is hugely telling about how terrifying Jasper must actually be in a battle setting. Yeah. I don't think we really get that in the film at all.
1: No, it's so. He doesn't come
0: across that way.
1: So in the background. Like, we totally. The only glimpse we ever get is in New Moon when he launches at Bella. And it's a little
0: scary. But.
2: Yeah. But like.
0: That's more like when he's feral not when he's like prepared and in battle you know yeah so i don't really know i'll take your word for it eddie
2: mm-hmm.
0: st joseph's is you know as i expected a real hospital in phoenix there's a st joseph's everywhere 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 has a st <laughs> joseph's the st joseph's in phoenix is directly north of the center of the city it is northwest of where the airport is mm. and it is kind of more directly west of Scottsdale, where they have just been. So it's like kind of makes a V where Mm -hmm. they, their trajectory or a triangle, actually.
1: I think it was an interesting choice for Stephanie to choose St. Joseph's because, Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes sense that most hospitals, even secular hospitals, do have some sort of religious space for people's families or for patients who are in like long-term care and hospitals to attend. But the choice for Saint Josephs becomes relevant in the next chapter,
0: as there is a chapel scene. Oh yes, there is a chapel. How mm-hmm. special! How special that there is a how special scene in this
1: book. that Roman Catholic hospitals exist, and I have solely been to Roman Catholic hospitals for my entire <laughs> life. And how, if you're in the hospital, you're probably not paying attention too much to the subtleties of what being in a Catholic hospital is like. But there are subtleties, and they are. Mm-hmm so interesting uh, mm. but i can talk about that for the next chapter
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay pretty much the whole chapter is very exciting to me because it's alice's visions in real time and it even shifts to the present tense which is yeah. so cool to me we get to see each version of alice's plan and kind of their collective plan but mostly alice because she's a genius and how as she makes these decisions about what they have to do, like how it's going to work or not work, and then how she's going to modify it to make it work better. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, it's extremely elaborate. <laughs> it's elaborate. It's cinematic. It would yeah, be it is. such a good,
1: like... S- like it, it. Yes. It, I mean, to be honest, I think this is one of the, f- the places in this book where Stephanie's experience directing and producing films, I think has really shaped her writing because mm. this is so compelling and i could totally yeah. see this being a scene where like you walk through this situation and then everything stops and alice flashes back to the present and she's like i need your jacket i need your watch like those yeah. little things you know
0: <laughs> so interesting i think the most <laughs> okay first of all they're in a stolen car which was linked to another stolen car and a 27 car pileup. up pile up on the 101 27, 27 cars cars I wonder if there's gonna be any mention of them paying out some restitution for all the damage that they've caused because holy shit that
1: that would be great also you think about like yeah. it not only probably you know caused that twenty seven car pile up but they had to put up traffic what the fuck are they called traffic stops what are they the things the they put up on the highway. roadblocks yeah, they put up roadblocks to try to stop them, so they've pretty much fucked the entire traffic pattern of the entire highway yeah. for who knows how long as they get over this 27
0: car pileup. yeah so she figures out the best way to deal with the car which is like honestly so convoluted like it involves another car and like getting two different cars cleaned i think and like mm-hmm. spilling sp- spilling blood in a new car mm-hmm. and like <laughs> she has to go into the hospital and steal blood <laughs> yeah and she even gets the right kind of blood she gets o positive blood i guess that's bella's blood type which they learned apparently in the accident with tyler's van
2: mm-hmm.
0: o positive i just looked it up is the the most common rare. one rare
2: yeah yeah oh oh it's the is most rare, common one positive is, yeah. yeah O
0: negative is rare o positive is the most common one and it's the universal, universal donor, donor, donor yeah yeah which makes sense for bella it seems like she would be a universal donor mm-hmm. <laughs> personality that do- wise yeah. that does yeah. make sense hold up I like that when she puts on the sweater, Edward comments that it pooled around her tiny body and yet somehow there was an air of the avant-garde about it. Alice could pull off anything.
1: And it's, like, so funny because that is just how skinny people wear clothes. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. Like, (laughs) that's just what happens when you are rich, attractive, and skinny. That's just how you wear every item of clothing. And for were yeah. to say that about Alice it's like Emmett probably looked good as fuck in that sweater too. You know. It's true. Yeah. Like, he was probably looking really great. I'm no sorry wait how is ridiculous. is
0: this the the tourist hoodie? Yeah. Cuz at this point oh they God. don't have
1: any other clothes. So it's like Yes. The avant-garde sweater of the that's like
0: says Seattle on it. Yeah. <laughs> so we get to see her like walking into the hotel that they chose. He comments It wasn't some place she would ever actually stay, of course, but it would do for a grisly tableau. (laughs) Like, come on,
1: and Uh. just the detail of they have to recreate the accident, but it has to be believable that it happened before Bella was admitted to the hospital. Yeah, so it can't occur afterwards, but it does. But she, so she has to have the watch from Jasper. To look down at and be like, oh, your clock is running fast. It's actually this time. Which you could do in this day and age. Yes, and would not fly in the age of iPhones that automatically sync to, like, satellite time,
0: you know? Right. The lack of security cameras really really help them here i mean they, they get around some security cameras at the hospital but like the lack of security cameras everywhere else like nowadays they would probably i mean depending on the kind of hotel there'd probably be a security camera in like most hotels in phoenix i would say honestly with
1: facial recognition technology they mm-hmm. probably would not be able to exist in society as we know it anymore That's true and, and they'd would have be to be a hacker yeah they have, have to, to really yeah. dig into that and yeah Just, like, really be careful. They, honestly, they probably would have to, I don't know, do all kinds of stuff. They'd probably have to infiltrate government, honestly, Mm -hmm. at some level. Yeah. Someone Mm -hmm. from the Volturi or, like, any other number of vampires would have to take one for
0: the team and become involved in, like, national security. (laughs) I bet. Otherwise, they'd have to, they'd be, like, driven back underground as a species. Yeah. I mean, the Cullens live more publicly than pretty much all other vampires, So, like, Mm -hmm. they would need it more than other people. Like, most other vampires aren't, like, going out and, like, living in society and, like, having relationships with people. Like, they're just kind of out when they need to eat. But that's so fascinating. But, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She creates the scene of the crime in three seconds. It takes her three seconds to do it. Or it will take her three seconds to do it when she does Mm -hmm. it. And, as I suspected, curls up into a bowling ball and yeets herself out of a window. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) spraying blood bags in the process and she's done in three seconds and
1: she has the horn
0: of the car yes to cover the the noise of her careening down the stairs and then she gets picked up and then she like goes to the car wash and gives the name mary which i was like is this because she doesn't know that that's her name does she i don't think she does now does she know I think- But she might I don't, know now. That's true. She might have already watched the footage in the future. Right, in the future. Or got a vision of herself learning that her name is Mary or right. something. And then this is wild. She sees that the woman at the front desk of the hotel when they call, that there's been an accident, will not call the police. On the premise that it's such a dangerous site that they're going to have to clean up all the evidence right away. Which is, like, maybe the loosest point of this whole thing.
1: Yeah, I think that is- the loosest point is that rather than closing one staircase down and like keeping people away from it that they would risk not calling the police
0: yeah and i mean if someone yeah if someone fell through a window like first of all there's like a huge like you could have a lawsuit yeah even if it was an accident Mm -hmm. if i heard that a young woman fell down a flight of stairs and through a window and was in the hospital after some sort of conversation with her boyfriend i would suspect domestic violence immediately absolutely
1: yeah yeah well it's like at the point where you become liable for things as like a employee of a business like Mm -hmm. it's a risk to not dot your dot your eyes and cross your t's by calling the police and rather like saying like like, if the police showed up afterwards and were like, well, why is all this cleaned up? Like, you don't touch a crime scene. Like, I mean, even if it's not a crime scene, even if like, it's an accident scene, like, I feel like it makes them look more guilty that they clean it up and try to sweep it under the rug, you know?
0: Yeah. But, you know, they don't get a lawsuit because obviously the Cullens are not going to sue them.
1: <laughs> Be funny if they did. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> they use the money to pay for all the accidents they caused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really like this section for Alice because she gets to go shopping. She goes to the Gap. She gets clothes
1: that actually fit everyone. Yeah. Especially Emmett.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Which is funny. And she's going to buy four suitcases that don't match and fill up everyone's clothes. Which is (laughs) Yeah.
1: Which is such a great detail, like, to get non-matching suitcases. Yeah. Like, she's being... Like, Edward says himself, like, she's probably being... A little bit too meticulous, but Yeah. Why not have I a mean, little fun with
0: it, I guess. Yeah, she's really doing the work here. You yeah. Know? This was interesting, the logistics of like what everyone is gonna do. So Emmett's gonna fly back to Seattle and I mean at first she sees him <laughs> getting to Seattle, taking his suitcase And then just like putting it in the Puget Sound and then swimming back to Forks and then getting Bella's car and immediately turning back around to Phoenix, which is wild to me as a human, that sounds exhausting and horrible, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure it's not a big deal for them. But then it's not, it's going to take too long. So she calls Rosalie. Is this the only time that Alice and Rosalie interact in this entire book?
1: I literally wrote that down and I was like, does this book even pass the Bechdel test? (sighs) (laughs) because i don't i don't know if it does i think it this book would be no but i think this book certainly doesn't but i think if twilight does it would be a conversation between bella and angela or bella and jessica before she knows who edward is
0: yes i can't think of any conversation between bella and those people that doesn't after, in- yeah. It doesn't involve a boy. We don't get a lot of their conversations from the very beginning of their relationships, though. Nope. Like, it's usually just passive, like, oh, I met these two people. Yeah. Fuck, does Twilight not pass the backtail test? I don't know Fuck. if it
1: does. <laughs> I can't, I mean, I don't think it does, because it's like, Victoria
0: doesn't talk very much. She doesn't talk to any women. Yeah. Victoria doesn't talk, like, at all, and then, I mean, Bella and... Alice don't really talk they talk in like a group setting yeah where there are men present I'm not sure if that counts I don't think it does because it's not it a does. scene with two women yeah. and then there's briefly a scene where Bella and Esme talk about her past but the whole it's that's just part of the conversation and it's also like about her trauma that involved a man so I don't think that counts yeah. either
1: her trauma that involved a man and her and like it's talking about the way talking that edward. yeah talking about edward and how edward's her son
0: and she had another son you know oh my god i know for any, <laughs> for anyone at home who doesn't know what the bechdel test is i don't know if this is common knowledge the bechdel test is like Alison bechdel is um a writer did she write mm-hmm. fun home oh my god my she wrote wait. fun home
1: and she yeah. wrote the she's a she's a comic artist. Graphic, graphic novel, I, I think. Yeah, and she also wrote the essential dykes to watch out for. She's a lesbian graphic
0: novelist. What is that called? She's, I don't know, <laughs> but <it's> super cool. <laughs> cartoonist. Um, and then, oh, cartoonist. <laughs> She's a cartoonist. There we go. <laughs> Cartoons. There's this test called the Bechdel test where it's like, uh, and a, and like a story, a movie, a book, whatever, can only pass if there's a scene where two women have a conversation that is not about a man. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that Twilight or midnight sun passes definitely not midnight sun probably not twilight
1: yeah the bechdel test initially was introduced in the essential dykes to watch out for or dykes to watch out for these two characters are talking and one of the characters is like well i have this rule i only go to see if a movie if it satisfies three basic requirements one it has to have at least two women in it who two talk to each other about three something besides a man pretty strict but a good idea no kidding the last movie i was able to see was alien it was designed in 1985 it's intentionally the bar is intentionally on the floor to prove a point that even this requirement is not met by so many different pieces of media and it's also important to like note that the test is like queer in nature like it was designed both about like gender representation and like women's representation in media and stuff like that, but also about like queer women's representation in media, right. which I think has been kind
0: of like lost in translation along the way. Totally. Yeah, all of these conversations are like revolving around men. And honestly in Twilight it's still like it's revolving around heterosexual relationships with men. Which is wow. This is so disturbing. We got that ask earlier today that was like, uh, what's the gender problem in Twilight? And I was like, I can't help you if you like listen to the podcast but like honestly like it doesn't even pass the bechdel test so like let's start there yeah oh, my god yeah i really do think that this is the only time alice and rosalie have interacted in the whole book directly. yeah and and it's re- it's revolved obviously around the conflict with edward it also
1: mentions Emmett, it mentions charlie like
0: uh... oh wow let me why don't actually... they why don't they talk your sisters what is your relationship like come I on know. fuck I'm just going to Google Twilight Bechdel test really quick. You're probably going to get the movie. Yeah, you're right. I need to scream this from the rooftops. Why did it take us three seasons to get to this conversation? Do you, do you know why the movie passes? Oh, wait, let me guess. Fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait. Is it because the waitress talks to Stephanie Meyer? Yes!
1: <laughs> Here's your veggie plate, Stephanie. Thanks.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm having an existential crisis. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I'm having an
0: out-of-body experience. I know. <laughs> uh, 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 mentally, I'm at the Carver Cafe. Oh, my God, right? <laughs> I
1: have a bone to pick with Stephanie, as always.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Alice is talking to Rosalie and Emmett or no Edward is like why does Emmett have to be involved like why doesn't Alice just ask Rosalie to do these things there's no need for Emmett to like fly back to do this when like Rosalie's already there the answer that Edward is like Edward's like well I like realize now that Rosalie has made her decision and that it's not she's not going to help and it's like I don't buy it like I don't buy that she wouldn't help now because it's about covering the tracks and keeping everyone safe. which she has repeatedly demonstrated is her top priority. If Emmett is implicated in a 27 car pileup, two car thefts, and the staging of an accident, of, uh, an arson, a murder, like, <laughs> like, like all these things, like that's a huge problem for Rosalie. I don't buy that if Alice was like, i need you to help us cover our tracks that she wouldn't do it for her family
0: like i don't right i, I don't buy that it's not about bella at this point she's been helping this entire time she's yeah. been she's been watching victoria she's been protecting charlie mm-hmm. um she's clearly like urgent on the phone like when alice calls her she's like she immediately is like how, like is Emma is okay? she coming like, what's yeah. going on yeah and
1: also like is are they coming for charlie
0: like yeah. she asks specifically about that,
1: so it's like she cares and she's helping. So like, okay. And then it's also mm-hmm. like, why couldn't Esme bring the truck?
0: <laughs> you know? I don't know. Maybe Esme's supposed to. St- one of them's got to stay on Charlie. I'm sure one of them's at least one of them's got to stay on Victoria. I suppose, but yeah, I don't know. At this point, they're not really thinking about Victoria. Yeah, I don't know. I can't believe that this is their only conversation, and it's. They have a dynamic here, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. please give me more of that. Yeah, and it's
1: it's interesting because Rosalie, like, Rosalie says to Alice, you're such a brat. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) which is so cute like i I know that it's it's not said in i mean it's said in like an annoying way but it's like it's a cute sibling dynamic and like yeah i think they do really like and like like and love each other and it's like why don't we get more of that
0: i know they definitely have like a night a good relationship right like yeah yeah i don't know edward would have mentioned it if they didn't you know yeah for sure i definitely think that edward and rosalie are the only ones with beef (laughs) Yeah, Edward's got beef with everyone now So Rosalie's gonna rent a flatbed tow truck. That is why Alice calls her because she needs her to drive to load Bella's truck and drive it to Seattle, or no, or to I don't know, meet Emmett, and Emmett's gonna drive it back down, or maybe Rosalie will end up doing it. I don't know. Whatever. And then Jasper's gonna drive the Mercedes back to back to Forks
2: mm-hmm.
0: while the others go to the hospital. Emmett can't talk. Emma <laughs> can't talk to Rosalie on the phone because he can't breathe. He's like, he's not sure if, if Rosalie will want to come back down to Phoenix with him, but he looks down at Bella and her fractured leg and Edward says, a deep swell of fraternal affection and concern washed over him. And Emmett thinks, she's such a good kid. Rose is going to have to get over this pronto. Pronto.
1: <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> my big brother Emmett. Oh we my love God. It. And then they roll up at the hospital and it's all going to, it's all going to happen in the person, yeah. which is so cool. I love yeah. this chapter so much. All right. Should, Should we, we take a little Forkscast? break for the for the weather? A little weather break?
1: Let's check the weather. And, Let's um, check the weather in Forks. Let's check the weather in Phoenix.
0: Oh yeah. The Phoenix the Phoenix forecast. Phoenix cast. So the, the weather, f- yeah. I was trying <laughs> to think of a pun but I can't. The fox cast? The fiend the fee, f- I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it's not there. The f- weather in Forks, it's 48
1: degrees. It's not raining, but it's going to t- later today and also tomorrow but the week looks pretty good it's like in the 50s 40s and 30s but not too much rain this week just for the first couple of days Mm. in phoenix it is 73 degrees it's getting down into the 50s overnight but it's going to stay pretty much in the 70s throughout the whole week and no precipitation because it's the desert would you like to
2: answer
0: a listener question I would love to. This question came to us on Tumblr from longtime listener, and supporter Queer Onion. Mm-hmm. Said, Cue for the podcast. What do you think triggered the Twilight Renaissance? I pinpoint it sometime around the effervescent post, but what do you think? It's a <laughs> I good love this question. question. I was talking to some friends about this recently uh, who were talking about Twilight, and I was like, Well, let me tell you, as an ambassador to the Twilight fandom, what my opinion right. is. <laughs> I think the effervescent post definitely played a part.
1: Yeah, I think it was definitely a defining factor. Okay, can I just... Can I say? Yeah. My theory is very similar to how I was taught World War One in history class. So, in history class, we learned all of these things are happening in Europe. And then the assassination of Franz Ferdinand is the powder keg that, like, lights the explosion that becomes World War One, right? Yes, yes, yes. And my yes, yes. history teacher very dramatically had a balloon in his hand the entire time he was talking about it and then popped it when he told us that Franz Ferdinand was assassinated. It was like very strong memory of mine. And I think that is kind of what I think of as like the Twilight Renaissance. I think that like independently, a lot of things were like picking up. I think like we have enough distance from the Twilight franchise now that it's like people have cycled through disliking twilight back to like giving it a chance there's like it's becoming old enough that it's nostalgic for some people i think there's new people that are like watching it for the first time stuff like that i think and then like i think the effervescent post was kind of like the assassination of Franz ferdinand where it like brought together (laughs) all the things at one point then it became so popular in other circles that it became impossible to ignore the twilight renaissance and like encouraged a lot more people to become like active
0: yeah is what i I think think. that's totally right i think you know around that time both before and after like there were the twilight fandom is like fucking hilarious like yeah it's like the memes like they're so good they're so good and they i mean maybe to an extent it's because there's so much content to pull from and it kind of like writes itself Mm -hmm. and i think that like there were other memes that were were really starting to circulate and like i mean I remember, like we we started a Twilight blog in 2017, which was like and like mm-hmm. this was before the effervescent post B E B E P as we're gonna call it before effervescent post <laughs> <B-E-P>.
2: yeah
0: <laughs> several months B E P and like you know we started making content memes and like it was it was very like like all that was being picked up by mm-hmm. the, you know various circles on Tumblr very quickly I think. Mm-hmm for whatever reason it was just like picking up and i think the memes themselves like that post and other posts together allowed people to like come back into the fandom
2: mm-hmm. and,
0: but you know the stuff that happened before is really interesting too because i feel like you and i were in our own personal twilight renaissance without ever yeah. knowing that this was something that was happening on the internet and then yes. when we did join the tumblr community it was like oh my god other people are doing this right now
2: mm-hmm. um
0: and it felt smaller at that time it I was like it felt Certainly. like there was like less than 100 people that were doing it and then it, it just exploded yeah and then i think it escalated mostly because of internet content and then like tiktok
2: mm-hmm. eventually
0: like way more recently i would say picked like you know is picked up like bella's lullaby and turning page more recently yeah. as like uh, sounds that people are making stuff to and like Mm -hmm. and then of course Midnight Sun is like the apex it is like the shining glory of the Twilight Renaissance I would say yes
1: like I think there were always fans
0: not that they were all the same people at all times but
1: I think there was always like a small fan base of people who were active and remained dedicated or like there was always a group of people right there was always a people who were in their Twilight phase at that moment but I feel like collectively with the organization of the Twilight Renaissance, like that, like coming, coming together of so many different people from different areas, like there's a bunch of like people in the Twilight Tumblr community that do not get a lot, <laughs> you know, that it's have true. vastly so different now. ideas and different like interpretations. There's so many people that love Twilight that are incredibly racist. There's so oh, many yeah. people that love Twilight that are incredibly like not homophobic well, yes, there are, yeah. I'm sure. But but also, there's a bunch of, like, there's a bunch of gay people that love Twilight. There's a bunch of gay people that like to gay- keep other gay people that like Twilight, too. Yeah. And it's, like, that yeah. is interesting. And I think that the, the kinds of very low barrier to entry for the effervescent post, it was mm-hmm. a completely non-offensive to all of those different parties. Yeah. Because it didn't hinge on, like, queer humor or, like, I don't know, like, other, like, tangential forms of humor and it was accessible yeah. to every single one of those people and i think that's what made it very powerful and then yeah. i think so many people calling for midnight sun made it happen
0: yeah so it's sort of like now that it's yeah like you said now that it's so big it's gonna be it's gonna be bigger there's gonna be differing discourse yeah um which is really fascinating to watch I'm kind of one like will it go down in flames i don't know probably um i like. <laughs> i mean we can only hope so it'll be really yeah. fascinating um, i'd love to but, be part of that I feel like now that, now that Midnight Sun is out, like, the only thing that can keep the energy going is if something else of equal admiration is released, such as, like, a Midnight Sun TV show, because I think that if, like, (laughs) if, like, a Jacob and Renesmee trilogy were to be released, I don't think that it would have the same, um, insight in this particular pocket of the fandom. Yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't buy it. No, i I cannot give my money to such a project. (laughs) No. There are
1: ways that I've made peace with buying Midnight Sun as, a, as like, you know, like, purchasing it with money, you know? Yeah. Which are taking that money that I spent on that and donating it to move to higher ground explicitly. But that would not be possible for me. (laughs) And a lot Mm. of other people. I think there's a lot of other people who put their foot down for Midnight Sun and refuse to buy that, which is really valid, right? That's great. Yeah. And it's, like, I think Stephanie underestimates the critical lens that the people who like twilight now have and i think because she knows we've been asking for midnight sun for so long she knew we would read it and i think she takes for granted that we might read anything she puts out and i mm-hmm. i don't think that's anything related to twilight that she puts out and i don't think that's true
0: i mean yeah i mean it's enough for her to make money but like if you look at her other non-twilight books like they're definitely not as popular
2: yeah But yeah
0: yeah, yeah. great question yeah. I think about that a lot it's very culturally interesting and it's interesting because we've gotten to a point where people
1: take it more seriously as like an active fandom but to a degree because we don't have merchandise you know yeah like they're not attempting to monetize this beyond releasing this book which i think is honestly a really interesting choice because i think Mm. there is a market for officially licensed merch and i think it's also like they're not very particularly litigious and there's a lot of people with twilight merchandise that i think is selling incredibly well which yeah. I know because I've purchased some of it, you know, like there's yeah, small businesses yeah. who are doing these things and either in other podcasts are selling like Twilight merchandise. They don't seem to be interested in doing that because they will sometimes acknowledge that those different groups of people exist. I don't know. It's like they're not
0: trying to fully revive this, which is interesting. Yeah. It, yeah, I don't know. I could probably talk about this forever, but... Totally. Yeah, we probably Whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to put a pin in that actually. Yeah. Yeah, but thanks for the question. That's like super interesting in the a question that I would love to continuously engage in. Chapter twenty eight, three conversations. Twenty-eight. This was fun. Uh and also horrifying.
1: Yeah, I liked um, this one and I hated this one. Yeah.
0: We're at the hospital where Carlisle's friend Doctor Saturangani is probably just so happy to see Carlisle. Carlisle is like advising on all these other cases in the hospital, which is so funny. It's so cute. The legality <laughs> of this seems questionable
1: at best. Like Yeah, how does that work? People Carlisle's a doctor. I assume and I could ask my mother this because she does medical credentialing as her job. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Kathy, if you're listening. (laughs) She's She's a patron. patron. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's in our Discord. But I'm pretty sure that because of medical malpractice insurance and the ways that the hospitals generally provide insurance for the doctors that they employ, I don't think this is legal. And I think to do
0: this is bad <laughs>
1: like i think this is i don't think this
0: is a thing right he's definitely not licensed in the state of arizona right but he's also not practicing he's just yeah. advising he's just giving his professional opinion which so, still like,
1: seems kind of suspicious to me you know
0: yeah i guess i don't know like if that's cool or not would love to find out someone not know in. if it is i feel like the legality is so
1: stringent with medical things that like even doctors that are your doctor can't give you advice on like other realms of medicine if that makes sense
0: like isn't there like also like confidentiality issues this seems questionable but it's not the focus of the chapter so i try not to bother (laughs) me too much well we also learned that so uh, carlisle worked with this guy in baltimore 14 years ago which is interesting because now Mm -hmm. we know you know where the cullens probably were 14 years ago somewhere near baltimore or somewhere in maryland so waspy of them it is yeah. So I I mean, unless they lived somewhere in between, I would assume that they lived there and then they went to Alaska and then they went to Forks. I guess.
1: Like honestly, how shook would you have been if 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 this instead said of setting Baltimore was like, Oh yeah, I worked with Dr. Setter and Ghani at um Maine Medical in, oh my in god. Portland, Maine.
0: <gasps> <laughs> I'd lose my fucking mind, oh my god. I would I'd be screaming. I'd be screaming that's how i feel whenever they talk about jacksonville (laughs) yeah (laughs) i've been there (laughs) okay so when will edward stop projecting his life onto bella's life is is my question because it's certainly not now in this moment where he says referring to bella who's on a gurney Mm -hmm. that was my life on the gurney my life pale and unresponsive covered in tubes and tape and plaster It's like, it's not your life, it's Bella's life, so chill the fuck out for a second. I'm, I can't even handle this.
1: (laughs) He has quite a few opinions about the medical treatment that she's receiving, Mm -hmm. one of which is a strong aversion to the strange alien interloper blood that is contaminating her bloodstream, which Mm -hmm. I would just like to say has a very interesting... Connection to not Mormonism, but a different religion, Jehovah's Witness. Yes. A portion of my family is Jehovah's Witness. They don't accept blood transfusions. And I Googled this to make sure that I was not misinterpreting things that my family has said, but a Jehovah's Witness believe, most Jehovah's Witness believe that it is against God's will to receive blood and receive, and so they refuse blood transfusions even if it is their own blood, which has been set aside for that purpose. But it's very interesting because I was like, religion just popping up out of nowhere. I mean, he's not saying that she shouldn't have gotten the blood transfusion, but he's commenting on how it's, like, against what he would want, and it's, like, invasive to her, and it's like, blood is blood. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> blood is blood. Please you know. let her have blood. Yeah, he's so touchy here. This made me think of, this is a, this is a sentiment that people have, that, like, they don't yeah. want... They don't want blood transfusions for some reason, or they don't want another person's organs in their body, or they don't want their own organs in someone else's body, which is like a really interesting, fascinating conversation to me.
1: It's like, fellas, <laughs> is, it, is it gay to do organ donation? You literally <laughs> have another man's heart
0: inside you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so fascinating to me, like, the, the way that people feel about the boundaries the medical boundaries of their body and then like how that impacts their like understanding of the self which is neither here nor there but it did make me think of this
1: yeah it is it is particularly like fascinating that edward is really prescribing to this narrative that like bella's blood is a fundamental part of who she is to him that's true like like it her like to have her smelling off obviously is preferable to her being dead in his eyes but mm-hmm. for him to be smelling foreign like, he's literally strange alien interloper blood, like, rather mm-hmm. than being, like, grateful, which I think he could have gone either way. He could have gone, like, I am so grateful to the kind soul that donated the blood that saved my dearest Bella. Right. But instead, he's, like, viewing it as this intrusion of her because his perception of her is very tied to how she smells and yeah how warm she is and, like, things like yeah. that. And it's, like, very interesting. He
0: says this, these couple of lines here, which I pulled out as very... Interesting in how kind of ambiguous they are and how they could be interpreted. And I think that I was on the mark based off of what happens later in this chapter. In thinking about the blood thing, he says, regardless, this brief distortion was too strong a reminder that at some point in the future, the scent that had compelled me for so long would be lost to me forever. Everything had been done that could be done. Now there was nothing left but the waiting. And like, this could be an interpretation of like, when I shall be a vampire and like, it's inevitable so we have to wait for it or like one day she's gonna die and it's inevitable we have to wait for it or it, and also this line is also meant to be like there's nothing for me to do in this moment and i just have to wait for her to wake up but also feels like it could be like he's gonna leave her and now it's inevitable
2: mm-hmm. and he just
0: has to wait for that moment mm-hmm. which
1: confirms uh-huh. what we thought when we read twilight which is that he intentionally
0: lied to her about not leaving her which is really i'm upsetting. so sad yeah <laughs> the best part about this chapter for me was charlie and renee certainly they're wonderful poor charlie carlisle's a, sa- a saint a carlisle is mm-hmm. like totally holding it down for charlie calling him updating him about what's happening they have a conversation like like what even happened like mm-hmm. why is this happening and carlisle just kind of explains away like oh like you know they're teenagers they're in love like yeah it's intense don't you remember what it's like yeah let's talk about renee Okay. So Renee confirmed hot as fuck. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. Everyone thinks she's hot. MILF. She looks young.
2: Mm-hmm. She could
0: be she could be mistaken for Bella's older sister, apparently. Mm-hmm. And everyone just is compelled to help her. There's something weird happening here.
1: Yes. I wish it was a little bit more explicit than it is. But yeah. She does talk about it, which is great. Like Renee's mind is described as being like loud and like her emotions and thoughts project out and edward is perceiving that not just he is able to like get a really good glimpse into what she's thinking and feeling but so is every other
0: human around them this is is so interesting so fascinating because like it's the opposite of charlie and this is like not what i was expecting her mind to be like because it's the opposite of it's the complete opposite of bella
2: Mm -hmm.
0: although Bella is supposed to have really expressive eyes like like Renee so like the the mental clarity thing doesn't make sense she's the opposite but like Edward has like hinted that Bella has this quality that people want to protect her yeah so I feel like maybe that was inherited I mean it whatever this is I don't understand but like let's go with it right Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that Bella kind of carries this quality but like renesme definitely carries this yes yeah (laughs) huge Um, yeah this is like exactly what renesme does is like projects her thoughts or whatever she can literally show other people and like everyone just loves her instantly which is so interesting it's like so specific to edward too because no one else can hear her thoughts they can only just like they're only just kind of like paying attention to her
1: yeah so only edward would be able to pick up on this
0: I wonder, like, how common that is. Like, do other people have, like, these other, like, these unnameable qualities that would be translated into vampirism?
1: Yeah, I wonder how often Edward comes across someone where he's like, huh. You know, because it seems like the Volturi and, like, other vampires go along potentially, like, trying intentionally to collect people with yeah fascinating traits. Like, I think right. that's what happened to Victoria, if I remember correctly, is the person that changed her... Mm -hmm. maybe no um this is
0: Siobhan changed Maggie for that reason right and so it's like presumably Renee would make a very interesting vampire I mean I would say so because I I would say that she would do something very similar to Renesmee I don't want to like that but I do yeah (laughs) feels 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 weird to have positive thoughts about something that relates to Renesmee yeah
2: yeah
0: yeah but we don't have to think about that again for a long time yeah (laughs) so of course this is Renee and Edward's first meeting i feel very privileged to Mm -hmm. read this this is so cool (laughs) yeah yeah her blood is sweeter than bella's but related which is Mm -hmm. like okay i guess people's blood smells like their family's blood
1: which is interesting because he never said that about charlie no (laughs) and it's like are you like is fellas is it gay to smell your your girlfriend's
0: dad (laughs) and think he smells good He's never talked about the way um, another man smells. So. I
1: know, that's what I was thinking. Like It seems like when vampires are particularly drawn to someone, it is along heterosexual, yeah. attractive norms.
0: Right. Of course it is. Renee didn't even know about Edward before this happened. Huge. Top 10 anime betrayals of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really like Renee here. And yeah. it's very interesting that Edward comments that this gave new dimension to what bella's life with her mother must have been no wonder she had been so productive so nurturing no wonder she'd given up her childhood to take care of this woman and i'm like that's a little too far but okay yeah i, I mean too like
1: hot take it's like okay it makes sense of course like people like renee is great great but it's like <clears throat> pa- like children often do that regardless of how wonderful their parents are like yeah Children get looped into doing that, regardless of how great their parents are. Like, people yeah. get looped into helping people that are awful. So
0: it's like,
2: maybe there's yeah. something
0: else going on. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit more nuanced, but yeah, I really enjoyed reading Renee's very um, very maternal feminine thoughts.
1: Yeah, like,
0: like <laughs> what was it? Like,
1: Bella doesn't stand a chance when she yeah. sees how cute <laughs> Edward is. Not believing him when he says things that are like sweet about Bella, he's like, mm-hmm, "Sure." <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be me. Yeah, honestly, me at everyone. The cover-up story of what happened is kind of being pushed off as like, you know, this happened because Bella has like a commitment issue because of her mom. Yes, which I never which is thought. Interesting.
1: I never thought. Like, obviously, the, it really like gets pushed in
0: our face what Charlie
1: thinks. about this and like how charlie will react to this but i never thought about the impact that this cover story would have on renee because like Mm -hmm. she says i mean she essentially says like oh i fucked my daughter up by doing that you know i mean mean, it's funny because it's like (laughs) it's not true because bella is so like ready for commitment you know
2: Mm -hmm, and mm
1: -hmm. and like she's so ready to like devote she's so down she's so down you know yeah like it, it could no not be further from the truth yeah yeah <laughs> like she's finding herself falling in love with things like the rain and like right oh my god like things that immortality hate. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i wonder like how that shapes moving forward how that shapes like the perception of her relationship with edward like i wonder like because you know if somebody like did this if, like if one of my friends like ran out on their partner because they were like i feel too tied down like i'm i can't do this Mm -hmm. in the back of my mind if they continued to date after this and like moved past it or whatever i would always be like oh well like she's gonna get overwhelmed by this like Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: like how does it feel for renee to have close to no communication this entire time and then moving forward like they're getting married so soon you know like it's like yeah a year from now they're planning their wedding you know yeah what does that feel like for her to have her like her first point of entry to to
0: edward existing
1: be this and then so violent (laughs) yeah it's like in the back of renee's mind does she think like oh no bella's gonna get trapped in forks the way i
0: do and she didn't want that yeah she doesn't yeah i don't know i wonder if we're gonna get any more of her it seems like next chapter is gonna catch up to where twilight was Mm -hmm. for the rest of the book I would guess. Should we talk about this wild, wild ending here? Yeah. he watches the tape? All right. Yep. So Edward has chosen to traumatize. Yeah, he's (laughs) chosen to traumatize himself on purpose,
1: basically. Certainly. And to be honest, I'm surprised Alice allowed this because she doesn't think it's good for him. But she also knows she can't convince him that it's not good for him and and that he's going to do it regardless. And I'm like, Alice, destroy the tape. But she's seen it. Yeah. So
0: he's going to see it. That's true. At least some of it. She can't keep it it from him forever, so. She said, I've had this argument with you over 300 times, but I could never convince you. And then she gives him the tape. (laughs) So he's a stubborn, (laughs) stubborn little bitch boy. Yeah. Uh, And it doesn't surprise me at all.
1: Yeah. He tries to find a space away from human minds. Like, he doesn't want any human thoughts, like, intruding on his experience of watching this tape because he knows it's going to be really intense. And so... Where does where does Edward go but to church? I for years went to Sunday Mass at the mm-hmm. hospital, at St. Joseph's off. Hospital in Tampa, Florida. At you went to church at a hospital? Yes. That was your church? Not always, but for years, yes. My family, my grandparents, loved this priest, the hospital priest. And so they were would take us to church on Sunday to the hospital. It was absolutely wild. They are very small chapels, and so you're very close to the altar at all times. They almost always have, and this is not true of every Catholic church because it kind of cycles throughout the week, but they almost always have, like, consecrated body of Christ wafers (laughs) in the church Mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. all times because at hospitals, people really want and need to feel very very close to jesus because there's intense things going on in their lives and they're like can i just like get a direct line to the guy and he's so he's usually there in the form of bread right Mm -hmm. or wine Mm -hmm. or both and so this was so funny
0: (laughs) 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 to read and picture i'm imagining like a really ugly church chapel is that accurate yeah that's pretty accurate and it smells like a hospital oh sick
1: yeah fun fact about Catholic hospitals, they mm-hmm. do not and will not administer plan B, birth control, okay. perform abortions, etc. Mm-hmm. And so, if you go into a Catholic hospital, for example, with norovirus on your birthday in 2017. Oh my god. God, <laughs> 2018, actually, I think. 2018, yeah. And I
2: remember.
1: <laughs> you're currently on birth control, they will not mm-hmm. give it to you with your meds. For the day, you have to bring it in independently and lie. (laughs) Did that happen to you? To take it individually, yeah. They wouldn't let me take it, and I mean, it wasn't like they wouldn't let me take it, but they were like, "Are you on any medications? We'll take them and like administer them to you when you are ready to eat." Which is pointless anyway, because I was literally vomiting anything that went in my body, water, anything. But they were like, "Oh, we'll give it to you," and I was like, "Oh, I'm only on this," and they were like. We won't give you that. And I was like, so I just take it myself? And they were like, yeah, but we're not going to give it to you. And I was like, this is so pointless. Like, (laughs) They'll let you take it yourself, but they won't give it to you. So if you went into the hospital for an accident and you tell them, I'm on this med and they have it in the hospital, like if they wouldn't, they wouldn't have it in the hospital. So if you went into the hospital and you were like oh i'm on this blood pressure medication that i need they would give it to you even if you didn't have it on your person when you were admitted to the hospital they would give it get it to you from the hospital pharmacy
0: versus birth control they would not do they have like okay i'm this is, i'm thinking about this because i've been studying it for work a lot but like someone comes in for like a sex crimes kit like a rape kit like would mm-hmm. with uh, a hospital like that administer any kind of prophylaxis would they do like a plan b in that situation no jesus christ Which is
1: why a lot of places don't refer to certain. I mean, some Catholic hospitals make different calls, but the ones that I know about will not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's possible it's better and different than other more liberal places, but like for, like, I just know this because I have had so many, (laughs) like, I've just had so many things happen where I've been on, I've been on like really high doses of estrogen and. I've been asking my aunt questions about it and because she's a hospital pharmacist at the Catholic hospital, she hasn't come in contact with any birth control for the entire like 20 years of her career because oh she cannot just prescribe it and they don't hold it. So there's like essentially like none of that. I'm full
0: of rage. Well, good thing Bella doesn't use birth control. Thank God. She probably should though. <laughs> she should. and But thank God her period is perfect and comes exactly on the right time every single right. month for her entire life. Yeah. Uh, as we know from breaking dawn
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah so edward feels like he has to watch this tape mm-hmm. which is definitely 100 percent his choice i don't agree with it but i understand the compulsion he feels like because bella lived this he is he feels so guilty that like he feels like he has to he's required to watch it
1: and it's so funny because bella's not gonna remember
0: a lot of this no and she's gonna heal yeah completely this is really self harmy behavior yeah yeah. This is really a really unhealthy thing for Edward to do in my opinion. Mm, I agree. So yeah, he watches this tape alone in the fucking chapel all the way at the front. Yep. In a chair, not in a pew. And it is, you know, it's the scene from the from mm-hmm. the ballet studio, but from the perspective of the camera. <laughs> James is like looking at the camera a lot. <laughs> yeah he's vlogging he's
1: literally vlogging and then the adagio sostenuto from rachmanikov's
0: second piano concerto starts playing yes in the yes oh my gosh i was um thinking about this because when we had alex on to talk about music we were looking at the Mm -hmm. midnight sun playlist and that Rachmaninoff concerto is in the playlist and we were like why is that in there (laughs) that's right i forgot about that should i should i listen to it for
1: a second Oh, this is so interesting. I just Googled this really quick, and I think this is going to be really interesting. So, Rachmaninoff fell into a very deep depression in his life that lasted for several years, compounded Uh by problems in his personal life, and his second piano concerto was written in his recovery from clinical depression and writer's block, cured by courses of hypnotherapy and psychotherapy, helped by support with his family and friends. So, Piano Concerto number two is his piece that he wrote about
0: his recovery from clinical depression. Oh, wow. It
1: was written in 1900 and
0: 1901. Oh, when Edward was born? Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, so obviously, Edward's having a bad time yeah. watching this. You know, he watches the whole thing over again, even the part where it's, he's there. And then he destroys the tape, he destroys the whole camcorder into dust. Mm-hmm and i never expected that this bottle cap would meet such a violent end but he takes <laughs> out the bottle cap that he took from bella at lunch weeks ago and he turns that into dust because he says he doesn't deserve any link any claim to her at all and i'm like fuck you're gonna leave her <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like we knew that but it sucks
1: yeah. that he had that revelation so early on he's you know? gonna date her for so many
0: more months
1: Yeah, he's going to date her for months, and then he's going to leave her. And he knows. And so he falls to the ground, yeah, and he starts praying. Yeah, he He decides to pray. (laughs) He said he doesn't know, like, he, he said he hasn't done this for many, many years, but he starts to pray. And he says that he does not pray to his God because immortal beings don't have God because they take on the power of God through their supernaturalness, right? And so there is no God for the immortals. So he prays to the human God. He said he prays to her God. And I was like, does she
0: believe in God? She's not religious. (laughs) Stop projecting. I'm mad about this.
1: It's like he's trying to kind of be like a little, like I feel like Stephanie is trying to be a little ambiguous about what this God looks like so it's not too just fully Mormon
0: out. But she kind of does. She does say he or she or it, but I was like, okay.
1: (laughs) Imagine not acknowledging they and instead saying it. Yeah. (laughs) She also says this weird line, which is, she calls Bella God's bravest and kindest daughter. And I'm like, you don't see how that screams Mormonism? (laughs) (laughs) What? Also, she's not that, like, she's not that brave but she's not that kind. She's average.
0: she's just vibing and she's not religious so yeah it's weird (laughs) and then he's like praying to be i mean ambiguously praying to be strong Mm -hmm. enough to leave her and he's like recalling alice's vision of bella being a bella abandoned and like her new moon uh possibility depression chair yeah he has to learn the strength and he's praying that to this god to help him protect bella from himself and i'm like i hate it here i hate that this is where this is going (laughs) Yep. I know that the, I knew it was going to go there, but I this sucks that he does this. And I, I get it. And it's it is narratively interesting. And I'm, I'm actually I'm actually I am like glad that it is in Midnight Sun. I agree. I think it, it does make sense that we're building to this point that otherwise would feel so sudden and like rash in New Moon. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it is really shitty that it happens the way it does, which is that he tells her he won't leave her. And then months later, he's been planning yeah. it this whole time. But this yeah yeah he already had the idea
1: <laughs> in his head and he said to her that he wasn't going to leave her knowing yeah. that he was planning on doing it which is so shitty yeah um, and i'm never gonna
0: forget that never bitch and it's gonna inform the first whole part of new moon for us i'm and sure what
1: is where like what this brings up for me and this is probably the last thing i have for the chapter is alice must know through her power that edward is planning on leaving Bella and that it probably solidifies in this moment and it probably solidifies every time they see each other from now on that it's going to happen and she doesn't know what's gonna spur it to actually happen she doesn't know when it's gonna happen but she's probably watching Edward be in this relationship with Bella uh, for the next however many months watching him give her no indication that he would leave
0: yeah while she grows more and more attached
1: solidifying like watching watching her have no idea and be blindsided and i'm like
0: okay that's layered (laughs) oh my god and i mean i mean there's no secrets in the cullen family so do they all know i don't know i
2: don't know
0: (laughs) that sucks bella i'm so sorry yeah this is this was a lot this was a big old section it was and it was it was it was
1: good though i enjoyed reading this one
0: yeah me too i'm glad that we i mean it's still edward cullen angst fest yeah. But you at know, least there's with just, like, more somewhat action. more of a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not just like kinda sitting around. The angst is going somewhere. Well only one more section. Yeah, so this is probably our second to last episode
1: of the season.
0: Mm. The penultimate as they say.
1: They do say that and that's from the Latin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and if the, and, and that means our last episode was the ante penultimate, which is the, the oh. before the second to last.
0: I've never heard that before. Thank you. <laughs> that is also Latin. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> thank you. So glad you took Latin in grad school. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening.
1: We'll catch you next time where we will finish Midnight Sun. Months after it came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oops. Months. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening we will see you next time that's all forks
0: thank you for listening to gender forking at twilight saga podcast all of seasons one and two are now streaming to stay updated about the podcast, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at genderforking. For more Twilight
1: content from us, follow us at bowlingshirtbellas at tumblr.com.
0: For other inquiries, email us at bowlingshirtbellas at gmail.com. If you would like to support the production and maintenance of this podcast, head to patreon.com slash genderforking.
2: The music you are hearing is from O Lucifer.